you have your Bibles or if you have an app, please turn to Luke 15, 11 through 32. Uh, there's no, um, I made some sermon notes in the back if, or in the, in the uh, foyer if anybody wants them. And normally, I ask us to stand for the reading of God's Word, but this is an extremely long passage. Uh, so let me just read God's Word for us. The Gospel of Luke, 11 through 32. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of your property that belongs to me. So he divided up between the both of them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property with destitute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired out himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him in the fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I'm dying of hunger. I will get up. I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he was set and went off to his father. But while he was still far off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran and put both of his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring a robe, the very best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals upon his feet. And, they, and get a fattened calf and kill it. And let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and now is alive again. He was lost but now is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the elder elder son was in the field, and when he came and he approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the slaves over and asked what was going on. The slave replied, your brother has come home, and your father has killed a fattened calf, because he got back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. The father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you. I have never disappointed one of your commandments, yet you have never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you've killed a fat calf for him? Then the father said to him, son, you've always been with me. Everything I have belongs to you. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This is the word of God. Thanks be to the Lord. Luke 15 is often called the lost chapter in the Bible because it's here we see Jesus sharing in how God searches out the lost and the broken in the world, that God earnestly seeks the best for us and to, for us to enjoy his love and to celebrate his love with him and with one another. And in the prodigal, <coughs> in the prodigal son, we have three main characters. We have the younger son, we have the elder son, and we have the father. And this morning, we just want to uncover the richness of this narrative as we focus on each of these characteristics in whom we all can find ourselves. How many of us have, <coughs> can relate to the, the younger son? We become children of God through saving grace in faith in Christ, and we have 
salvation, adoption of sons and daughters, and we have every single need met, yet we rebel against God, and we, we take our shared inheritance and we go into the world. If anybody knows my story, you, can, you know that I always relate and identify with the younger son, especially in my youth, living out in the world and squandering the gifts the Lord had given me. But the younger son is also all of our stories. It's a story of immaturity, of being infants in faith and desiring a false freedom that Scripture warns us about in Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ set you free, stand firm, and therefore do not again submit to the local slavery. God does not call us to return to the bondage and to return to the law and to live in sin. And that is where the younger son is headed. He tried to make for himself his own, his own life, his own identity, identity away from his father, away from his family, rather than growing in the intimacy with his father and finding his identity in the Lord. He returned to the bondage. He found himself in sin. I know personally the feeling of finding myself in a pile of manure, literally calling out to God. Not all of us have this overwhelming prodigal son, younger son experience, but we all begin as children of faith. We are all once prodigal, whether we realize it or not. You see, God never taught us to say no to him, just like we don't teach our children to say no to us, yet every child does. We have a natural tendency to selfish thinking and, and to be in our self-rule, but we're all children of faith. You can go ahead and look at Timothy, who was a child of faith to the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 1-2, Paul writes to Timothy, my loyal child in the faith. You see, everyone has a childhood of faith. And as children, we act as children. Just as a younger son displayed immaturity, and this season of childhood lasts as long as it lasts. No one matures at the same rate. The Apostle Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians 3, 2, to the church at Corinth, I fed you with milk. Not solid food, for you are not ready for solid food. Even now you're not even ready, for you are still in the flesh. The church knew salvation, the church knew Christ, but they were still acting in the ways of the world. They were saved, but not living in the fullness of their sonship, of their daughtership. Just as a younger son was dying of hunger, instead of feasting on the bread of life that is found in his father's house, this man, a child of God, was eating the food of those things considered unclean. We can all relate to the younger child filling our life in the hole within our soul with the things of the world because none of us have lived perfectly. We all have our stories. We all have our regrets, desiring the pods rather than feasting at the father's table. And the younger son learned and yearned and desired to, to go home and be at peace once again in the presence of his father. And that's the reason he was able to repent and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. He was able to move into the hope of a future and restoration. As, as scripture says, the son set off and went to his father. You don't go set off to go be with your father if you intend to fail. He was intentional. He had hope that his father would still be his father. He could do so for the reason alone he remembered and embraced his sonship. He remembered who his father was, and he embraced that for the first time in the completeness and humility that comes from having an intimate relationship with his dad, with his father. And when we say, when we find ourselves in the younger, season, younger son season of life, just stop. Turn back. Turn back to your heavenly father. Remember to whom you belong. 
God's love does not change. His love does not fade. And he is faithfully waiting for us to say, enough, enough, enough. I can't do this anymore. And the young, just like the younger son, who wants to once again be found in the flowing, overflowing peace of his father, who is our Lord. And just as a younger son grew and matured, so we are called to mature and embrace our father. At least for, for some, it's sometimes easier to identify as the younger son. But as we grow in through our childhood, especially when we enter into that season between youth and adulthood, it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. It's called adolescence. And for us, we all go through a season of spiritual adolescence. Even pastors go through spiritual adolescence. The elder son is in the father's house and he does not embrace the fullness of sonship any more than the younger son. It's safe to say that the elder son has forgotten that he still is a child of the father because he thinks himself more as a slave. Further, he develops the characteristics of an entitled kid that stands by and represents or resents the failures and sins of others, including those in his own household. He knows the expectations of the father, but he doesn't live into them and yet demands others do so. He is the epitome of say as I do, not as I do. To those in the season of, of the elder son, people become obstacles to complete tasks, and work takes value over relationships. We live out law rather than living in grace and embrace ideals rather than forgiveness. Although the elder son was once young, he refuses to recognize the love and grace the father had given him. He may have had his prodigal season, but he wasn't as bad as those people over there or those people over there. He often looks down his nose at those that do not live up to the expectations that he himself has set. The elder son exaggerates the sins of others to make himself look better. He states to his father, your son who devoured your property with prostitutes rather than sharing simply what it shares in verse 13. The son was embracing destitute living. And see, if you're a parent... You've heard an argument like this or something very similar. We all have. I raised my younger brother. I raised two sons into men. And um, I think all the parents have heard at one point or another justification of behavior. I might have gotten two C's, but he got a D. And you know why he got a D? I told you that he wasn't doing his homework and he was watching TV. Because as children, we do that. It's easier to highlight and see the failures of others than embracing them as ourselves. The words, this son of yours, comes off the lips of the elder son with self-imposed judgment. The elder son looks at the father that once gave him grace and asks that the other son not receive that same grace, but rather punishment. When we justify our anger and resentment by working harder and proving we are more right than others are wrong, it is when we begin to isolate ourselves from others, from ourselves, from God. It's when we start to think that we are better and we are, we are more righteous. It's when we become more holy than others. And like the Pharisees, we begin to think that we are God's favorite. And that those people that confess to love Christ are younger siblings in their season of life. Those are really fake Christians. They probably aren't even saved. Because they or them, they're not living as well as we say that they should. That we all know who those people are, the prodigals. The younger sons, the younger daughters. 
They're the ones that are below us. They haven't earned it yet. They probably haven't even read the entire Bible. Go figure. They are not the holiness people, and they are still clearly embracing the world and sin, and we wonder if they're even saved. Look how they live. When we hold up the rule book and say, if you follow this, then I might be friends with you, aren't we just confessing that we too are the elder son? When we do not, when, when we do this, people that we treat people that don't meet our expectations of what we say and what we say God wants. We push away those in need to hear God's grace, but respond with judgment. And this happens when, when we stop being sons and daughters and view ourselves as slaves, trying to earn the Father's love when He never, ever stopped loving us in the first place. We, when we are in this space, we stand justified in our own righteousness, rejecting the grace of God, the Father, and His gifts because of our hate for others. I've seen people... Christians change the rules to make up for their prodigal season and then begin to trade grace for guilt and shame and begin living in the law, living under the weight of works. And we know that's not right. Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2.16, And yet we know a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ. And we have come to believe in Jesus Christ so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by, doing under, uh, not by the doing of uh, the works of the law because no one will be justified by the works of the law. When we turn our back on grace and begin to live under the yoke of slavery and the law, we are living as slaves and not in the fullness of sons and daughters of Christ. We are still living under as the elder children. And God wants more for us. He wants to know us to embrace the richness of his love. God calls us upward and out of childhood into the maturity of being his children. And we are not to live in perpetual childhood that of the younger son living in cheap grace, that of the elder son living in resentment and judgment, we are called to Christ-likeness. We are called to live in the characteristics of our Heavenly Father. We are called to live in the fullness of Jesus. We are called to be led by His Spirit. And, and in this we begin to see the Father's response, which, by His grace, becomes who we can grow into. The Father's response reveals the very heart of God, who is our Father in Heaven. His loving passion is seen as at home and, and with him. The father does not dismiss the elder son for the sake of the younger, and he is constantly looking out on the horizon for the return of his younger son as he continues to make all things available to his elder son. And as much as the father celebrates the life of his sons, it is always in seeking life over death. And that's why he celebrates and states about the younger son. He was dead and now he is alive. He was lost, but now he is found. And he also celebrates relationships with intimacy that he has with his children, with us. The father doesn't scold. The father rejoices. He covers the younger son as he covers us with his robe, his royal robe, the very best one. And no longer do we live in the taggered rags of spiritual poverty. We are called to embrace the fullness of being a child of God, not children of condemnation. We are to live out the Father's characteristics of love, mercy, joy. And the Father puts on the younger son his ring, a sign of sonship, to remind him of who he is and who the Father is. God's grace covers up our repentant hearts as we turn from cheap grace and return to our Father. And God restores, he reconciles, reconciles and renews us. He places his trust in us. We are not independent. We are his family. 
He lifts us up to the fullness of sonship and daughtership. We are sons and daughters of a king. If you ever think you're too far gone to return to God, you are not. Return to the face of your father. Feel his grace. Feel his love surround you. Embrace you as he does all of his children. Let his new sandals of peace be placed on your feet. As the scripture shares in Romans 5.1, Therefore we are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The father goes out during the party and calls everyone to himself just as the father runs to the younger the father goes out of the party to meet the elder son where he is the father affirms the grace of sonship pleading with the elder son no longer to be burdened by the law but to live in the completeness of peace and love and enjoy this feast of life and as much as the elder son states this son of yours the response of the father is this this brother of yours, this family of yours, this my other son, and you are my son. And together, we are the household. The father maintains the unity of the family because he wants more from, more from his sons than to just live in resentment and fear. And the father calls for the fellowship of communion and everyone in his house, all were invited to the feast. As we, as we, as his children, the children of God, are called out to live the heart of the Father, we are to be unified in his spirit. For we are all alive in the Father's house, and there is no more death found. The Father desires for his children, his sons, and his daughter to no longer act in immaturity, but embrace the fullness of who we are, the fullness of who we can become. And God calls us into his house to be transformed in Christ. See, the Lord calls us to be transformed. Last week we talked about that be transfigured, metamorphio, to no longer live with a veil covering our faces. We are to live in the wholeness of love with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and be transformed more into his image, into the image of Christ. To know the Father and no longer live in immaturity and the childishness of the younger son. To know the Father and no longer live in the immaturity and self-righteousness of the elder son. God calls us to himself as his children, and we are not to stay immature. So we got a challenge this week. <clears throat> Have a conversation with someone. Talk about these things. Where am I in my spiritual life? Am I doing adult? Am I living like the younger son, the elder son, or into the fullness of the father? And how can I share the love of the father with others? These are holy conversations. God desires us to, to grow up and do adult, to forgive others as he forgives, to be compassionate as he is compassionate, to be holy as he is holy, to come to his table, to be filled with his grace and love, that we may share his love with others. Would you please stand to receive a blessing? May you therefore go and make disciples of the nations. May you return home if you have run away. May you offer forgiveness to those you have wronged and receive forgiveness from those that have wronged you. And may you live in the peace that surpasses all understanding as you feel the embrace of your Father's love. You are sent. Amen.